Hi, I'm Sam Germano, and welcome to the Uprooted Podcast, where we'll be uncovering the underlying meaning of health and what it means to us today. Let's sit down with the experts and trailblazers to understand the why and how, break down barriers, and blend our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Grab your headphones, turn the volume up, and let's uproot. Amanda Blair is a relationship and manifestation coach for To Be Magnetic, the leading destination for neural manifestation backed by neuroscience, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics to help you raise your self-worth and step into your authenticity. Amanda credits To Be Magnetic's manifestation formula for changing her life. Through this work, she has healed trauma, gotten sober, removed limiting beliefs, and created a deep sense of self-worth. She found her niche in studying attachment theory and how it relates to relationships. This is particularly a powerful set of principles to pair with this manifestation process. Amanda is passionate about using this knowledge to help clients raise their self-worth on a subconscious level, creating a true feeling of deservingness while dismantling attachment styles that serve as blocks. She teaches clients how to manifest healthy and loving relationships. And she also has a knack for spotting blocks that you may not even realize you have and gives straightforward, actionable steps to move through them. So if you're tired of settling for less than you deserve, dating the wrong people, or repeating unhealthy relationship patterns, a coaching session with Amanda will be just the cure. I sat down with Amanda because I personally love her outlook on relationships and how to navigate finding the right one. And the key word is right, because we want the relationship where we're not settling when we're at a great point in our lives and when we're feeling great about ourselves. Getting to that point takes a lot of work and self-reflection. And we hear the phrase doing the work get thrown around a lot. And I personally never felt like there were many places to truly understand and break down what exactly that work looks like. Well, this episode is going to shed some light on what that is. Amanda has a way of making sense of the thoughts and emotions we experience from when we're just casually dating to then being in a relationship and then everything in between. She gets into the nitty gritty of why we tend to jump into relationships too quickly, how to show up when we're casually dating versus seriously dating, the true meaning of what it looks like to be in a healthy relationship with ourselves, and the work we may need to do in other areas of our life that will help us in finding our dream relationship. The last thing I want to note here is when we've decided that we want a relationship and we're on the hunt for one, it's really important that we take the pressure off of the timeline or any other expectations we set for ourselves on that journey. Finding the one truly finds us when we're ready for it and when we've established a strong relationship with ourselves. And with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Amanda, hello and welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to talk all things love with you. (laughs) Loving yourself, loving your partner, and loving the journey to manifesting the right relationship. It's interesting because we ultimately all want a relationship or a partner, etc. Yet we've never really been taught how to get there and how to navigate the challenges that we're faced with along the way. It comes easy to some, but I'd like to think that in being human, we're met with feeling insecure, fearful, doubtful. And the great thing is that there are tools that can help us step into our worth and manifest the right partner or relationship at the right time when we've spent the time doing the work. 
And I'm thrilled to be here with you because you know what that work is and what we need to do to get ourselves to a solid, confident place in our lives. So I'm going to turn it to you, Amanda. Please tell us about you and your journey of becoming a relationship coach. Sure. I'm Amanda Blair and I started doing this, what I'm doing now, this work about three years ago, which is crazy. And I, my journey there has really been, it feels like a lifetime. Everything, you know, is preparing you for the next thing. So I have seen that, you know, this has been coming for a while, but I found my own process in conjunction with work that I had been doing with Lacey Phillips and that work really changed my life, you know, six years ago. And through that really realized I wanted to help people change their lives. But in particular, I really wanted to focus on relationships because it's, they have just been my passion forever. I, you know, I was always in kind of obsessed with them and talking to people about their relationships and people talking to me about theirs, you know, and I was just always wanting to really figure out like, why is that happening? Why are you doing that thing? Why are we showing up in this way? Why are we not? And it's just always been what I want to talk about. So it just made the most sense to focus there and also, you know, help people have a better relationship with themselves because that's really what it's about at the end of the day. It's your relationship to self. And then from there, you know, you can create different relationships when you're in a better relationship with yourself, because you'll see that mirror back to you from the external relationships that you're in. And that felt like a really important journey for me that I've been on and that I wanted to help other people with. I love it. And in finding Lacey Phillips' work through To Be Magnetic, I'm assuming maybe at that time you were also looking for a relationship with yourself or for yourself. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Six years ago. Yeah. I was definitely, I mean, I think I had been always kind of looking for a relationship at that point. And that was what, yeah, that was definitely what started the sessions. Cause I remember I was dating a person and talking to her about that, which is so funny to look back on now. Cause <laughs> I would never in a million years go after that person now, but there we were. And yeah, that was really helpful to start working through that processing with her. Got it. Okay. It's interesting. Cause you, it sounds like you've come full circle. Yeah, definitely. And now you're helping people find love for themselves. So let's talk about what you get into in your coaching sessions, because I can imagine there are certain themes or similar themes that come up. So could you share some, you know, attachment styles, boundary conversations, fears that get brought up? Sure. So attachment theory is definitely um, my focus. And attachment theory states that the way that you attach to your caregivers in childhood will reflect the way that you will attach to the relationships in your adulthood, you know, romantic and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so I, wo- I work a lot with anxious clients um, as someone who had anxious attachment that, you know, resonates the most, but I also work with avoidant attachments and the whole process that we're kind of in together through the work is getting to a more secure attachment so that they can find relationships that feel more satisfying and aligned with them versus the relationships that they have previously found themselves in, which found themselves in, which tends to be for my anxious clients, you know, really unavailable people. And for my avoidant clients that can look like, you know, they haven't been in a relationship before and really understanding how to break down the walls that they have to make intimacy feel safe and make intimacy not feel so stressful so that they can, you know, 
start being in relationships really in the first place. And, you know, there's a million steps in between there. And um, yeah, that's kind of the work that we do on that. In talking about these two different types of attachment styles, could you kind of give an example? So let's just say someone's listening and they're like, I don't know if I'm either. Like, what does each look like and what kind of partner or partners are they calling in or attracting? So anxious, there's four attachment styles, anxious, avoidant, anxious, avoidant, and secure. And just to note, every single person <laughs> who's like, I'm an anxious avoidant, one usually isn't. Um, and I'll go into why. But um, anxious is someone who in childhood had inconsistent attunement from their caregiver or caregivers. And that inconsistency creates that anxiety and hypervigilance. And hypervigilance is a sense sensitivity to any sort of threat that's coming into a relationship. So you know, threat of the person leaving, threat of the person pulling away, et cetera. And they are attracted to people who are inconsistent with their love, which is usually an avoidant or someone emotionally unavailable. So it's definitely possible for someone to just be at that time, emotionally unavailable and not avoid an attachment. That's going to look like someone getting out of a relationship and they are, you know, dating and they're just not looking to settle down. It could be after like a big life event that feels traumatic for them, right? So someone who's emotionally unavailable doesn't always equal avoidant. Just want to point that out. And then someone who's avoidant um, stems from in childhood, they had neglect from a caregiver or caregivers. And I know neglect feels like a really strong word, um, but it's, it's there and it happens even when you can look back and be like, well, my, my parents were present, but you know, presence and really tuning into a, a child is so different. Um, so it would be either emotional neglect or physical neglect and or both. And their enmeshment can also be a play there. And that enmeshment is when the child feels responsible for the parent's emotional well-being or feelings. And that creates this intimacy is stressful, intimacy feels unsafe. And so they, when stressed, whether that's from the relationship or outside of the relationship, will really shut down and pull away in order to kind of deal with whatever is coming up for them, um, which oftentimes is not really dealing. It's kind of pushing down and avoiding and numbing out in some way. And they're going to be attracted to a lot of anxious people because anxious and avoidance push each other's buttons in just the right way. And that creates what we call an anxious avoidant trap. And it's just like the push pull of those two people with similar needs and also similar fears kind of pushing, or I guess not similar needs directly, but underneath um, the, there are similarities there. And it creates this like push pull dance. And if you have, are someone who has been in a relationship with someone who is inconsistent, you know exactly what I mean. And there is anxious avoidant or fearful avoidant or disorganized attachment. And that attachment comes from the more extreme part of childhoods where there is neglect and abuse. And so that's why oftentimes when people are like, I'm both, I'm like, well, if you've had neglect and abuse, like for sure, but if not, you're probably not. And disorganized attachments have a very hard time regulating emotion. They have a really hard time being consistent in relationships. They're also going to shut down and pull away. They're also going to have extreme anxiety, right? It's just a little bit more on the extreme side. It is definitely out there, but you are also able to be someone who has more of a avoidant attachment and feel anxiety. You can also have a more of an anxious attachment and avoid things. So you are not anxious avoidant. It just means you're a human with full spectrum of emotions 
and you're going to feel them all, right? So you want to look at the predominant way that you are relating to intimacy and that will kind of guide you in the, your predominant attachment style. And then we're all sort of working to become secure and secure stems from in childhood, that child could trust that their needs would be met. So their needs were met with consistency. Doesn't mean perfection, because that doesn't exist, right? Um, but there was consistent enough attunement that the child really trusted it um, and trusted the parents. So they go into intimacy trusting and intimacy feels quite safe for them and quite comfortable. So, you know, they have typically an easier time with relationships. And so for the other attachment styles, that's really what we're working towards, which is that earned secure attachment. Hmm. I can only imagine some people listening to this right now who are maybe identifying with what you're saying are like, oh my God, am I, am I this style forever? Is this the way that it's always going to be? Shed some light on that. Like there are ways to work through this, which we're going to talk through, but just because someone is identifying with this now, that does not mean that this, that this is the way that their relationships are going to be now and forever. No. Um, and that's what I'm talking about with the earned secure. So our, luckily our brains are plastic, meaning that we can change them and we can change the neural pathways inside of them, which is kind of the reason behind why we do what we do. Right. So if you think about your attachment style, like a program on a computer, right. If a certain program isn't working on a computer, you would delete it off the computer and download a new program that would work. Right. So we are doing the same thing in a sense in our brain is we're really understanding what that program is, the attachment, um, if it's, you know, anxious avoidant or fearful avoidant. And then we're doing the work to, you know, not we can't like officially delete it like we would off a computer, but we can really pull that program out and make us very aware of what that program is creating and start new neural pathways and download a new program of what we want love and how we you know view love and how we show up in love and that is the term earn secure is now you're showing up in a more secure way in your relationships with yourself and then also with your external relationships so no if you have an anxious attachment you are not destined to be anxious in love forever I am definitely an example of that I'm you know no longer experiencing the same things that I was going through when I first started this work and a lot of you know a same for my clients so it, you can absolutely work through it. It just takes dedication and it takes time and consistency. Yeah. I like to think of, you know, after downloading a new program, if you will, as an upgrade. 100% is. And would you say that everyone would identify with an attachment style? Every yeah. single person has an attachment style. Okay. So if you are a human, you have an attachment style. Because I can imagine the critics being like, <laughs> listening to this, they're like, um, actually, I don't think I'm any of them, but we're going to, we're going to talk avoidant if they're, if they're thinking that, <laughs> but okay. everyone has an attachment style because okay. everyone was raised by caregivers. So you had a relationship with caregivers, whether, you know, it was a great one or not so great one. And that creates the attachment. So we, every single person has one in these attachment styles, obviously, you know, things come up like red flags or moments to set a boundary, different types of fears come up with getting ghosted, ending up alone. What are some of the ways that you kind of talk people through these areas and, and how to navigate them depending on their different styles? Yeah. Well, you know, if someone is more anxious, they're really going to be concerned with closeness in a relationship there, which means they're going to value that closeness above all else and oftentimes themselves. So they're really going to do the whole like 
rushing in and jumping in and like, you know, zero to 60 kind of thing. And my work with a lot of my more anxious attachments is who are dating is to slow them down and to really put in a lot of boundaries with themselves because, you know, before we can have boundaries with another, we have to know how to communicate boundaries with ourselves and what feels good and what doesn't. So we kind of start there and I have a dating protocol that I give and it kind of talks through like how to approach dating in, you know, in a way that is slowing it down and coming from that, you know, working towards secure place. Um, And then with someone who is more avoidant, it's really about learning how to first and foremost, tune into their feelings and kind of name them and understand them, um, which I know sounds really basic, but for someone who has been shutting down and kind of shoving things down, that can be a really powerful thing to get into their body and really allow themselves to inhabit that space and to understand, oh, this is what's coming up. And then it's learning how to communicate that to a, you know, a friend or a partner and learning how to allow that other person to help them process through something to let them be vulnerable and to not run away from that feeling but instead to kind of sit there stay with it and work through it versus just thinking I have to do this all on my own so yeah I mean and it really depends I get very obviously specific if I'm working with someone one-on-one but that's like just some general ideas of how that goes goes through and the work that we do is I use TBM's work. I work, obviously work with the brand and the reprogramming is everything because you need to really get down there in the, on that neural pathway level and start to look at what your limiting beliefs are, what is going on in your subconscious and start to um, prune away the limiting beliefs that don't work. So those neural pathways that are really tried and true from your program and instead start to lay down the neural pathways that you want to be living, you know? Mm. When you said rushing into relationships before, something came up for me because I think that a lot of times, you know, in hearing my friends date and, and myself as well, I think we either rush and you can tell me if, if I'm, I'm right or wrong. I feel like we rush into dating sometimes because either A, we're excited and maybe we confuse that excitement sometimes for just wanting that security so fast or is it possibly fear-driven that we want to lock something down because we are fearful that we'll get ghosted or that, you know, we'll end up alone? Or if it's not this person, it may not be someone else. I think 100% fear-based. So, and actually excitement, if you're getting butterflies, that is fear. And it's reminding you of whenever you were in childhood, whichever caregiver was inconsistent with their attunement. And when they would come back, and you weren't sure how long that was going to be, how long you would get that attention for. So that created that like, ooh, excitement. Like I need to get this now, hold this now, have this now, because I don't know when it's going to come around again. So that butterfly feeling is that feeling again, just in like, you know, older form. So we, and movies have taught us to really fetishize that and look for that, but that is just fear. So if you are experiencing butterflies, Um, I would really take a heavy look at who you're getting butterflies for and really, and what, you know, patterns are that there, that might be there that you're repeating, but yes, wanting to rush in is fear because Mm -hmm. you're wanting to make sure 
that it's locked down, that you are secure in it, that that person won't leave you, that, you know, you found your person, so you're good enough, whatever it is. But yeah, the underneath of that is fear. Is there a particular timeline that maybe you have in mind or a protocol that you like to advise clients on that that's a healthy timeline to get to know someone or to set up a strong foundation before getting into a relationship? I do. I'm not going to like go into the specifics here because it's way better. I need to like do that one-on-one because there needs to be like, we need to talk and get all the things down. And I think giving timelines um, just generally is actually not that helpful, right? Because someone who's anxious will be like, okay, so I heard, and this is like from personal experience too. I would hear like, okay, you're supposed to wait X amount of time to do this. You're supposed to know by like X amount of time this. And I would just get, try to get to that timeline without anything else and uncovering anything else and digging into anything else. And that timeline was arbitrary because nothing was really done in that process. I was just racing to get to an endpoint so that I knew I could do whatever thing I wanted to do. Right. right? So, but what, I want to say within, without giving like, you know, what I would give in the protocol is you're just trying to move slowly. So, you know, instead of going on a date with someone, you know, if you're at a place where you can actually go out with someone, um, Mm -hmm. I know we're all still kind of in various uh, stages of this lockdown, but you want, you know, versus like having a date where it's all day, that's moving very fast. Start with like hanging out with someone for an hour or two and keep that boundary for yourself then, you know, you see them once a week, like just really slowing down the process is the theme because you want to get to know someone and that takes time. It's not something that can be done immediately and it's okay that it's taking time. And if you are feeling the need to rush, that's when you want to look in and go, okay, what is coming up for me? Why do I need to rush in this? Where am I feeling like, you know, my worth is in this experience turning into something in particular, Um, And why isn't my worth on the inside? Mm. And in getting into that worth, I think a term that pops up a lot, especially in the to be magnetic work is unblocking. Could you Mm. explain what unblocking is and how do we release all of these fears, doubts, insecurities that come up along the way? Sure. So unblocking is unblocking insecurities and fears and limiting beliefs, right? So Mm -hmm. it's you're helping yourself um, get over those through doing that. And how we're doing that in TBM is with reprogramming. So you're doing the DIs, which are the deep imaginings that Lacey um, created to help yourself do the neural programming work to, as I was talking about, start to prune away the neural pathways that have been there that are the limiting beliefs, starting to prune those away so that you can really lay down the new neural beliefs, um, new neural pathways and new beliefs that you want to be living from. So versus, you know, if there was a limiting belief of like, I'm a loser, then we want to start to prune that away. And we want to start to lay down, I am capable and then reinforce that versus, you know, taking action that's reinforcing that old limiting belief for us. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that in unblocking, there's always this story. And from there, patterns or triggering situations came up that led us to needing to look deeper into it. Absolutely. Do you have any specific examples of, of how someone worked through it in, in a dating situation or, you know, in finding a relationship? Sure. Well, I would never use any of my clients' stories because I, that is privilege, but what I can share from 
you know, just like more general. And, and my story is that going out with a guy and on the first date, he lets you know that he's just out of a relationship. Let's say it was a two-year relationship and he got out two weeks ago or two months ago, something very soon. Mm-hmm. And you're looking for a relationship, a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. So the pattern would be with that to be like, okay, hmm. I getting a hint that that is a red flag, but you know what? I'm not going to listen to that. I'm just going to keep going. Cause you know, whatever he's really cute and we have a lot in common and he seems great. And like, it doesn't matter. It'll be fine. And just continuing to go out with that person. And what I want to help people do is start to build the awareness of this is a red flag. And, you know, I also help people figure out like what their personal red flags are because so I can have a red flag of, you know, if someone I'm, I'm sober. So someone who smokes pot every day would be a red flag for me, not something that I'm interested in, but someone who, you know, isn't sober, that might not be a big deal for. So we also have, there's like general red flags and there's like your own personal ones as well. But what I really want to help people do is become aware of their red flags and become aware of that program and that limiting belief kind of rhetoric in their mind that will go, Ouch, don't worry about it. It's fine. Keep going. You're good right? Whatever. Who cares? It's fine. And instead go, no, there's a red flag and I'm going to walk away and really trusting themselves and their instinct about the red flag first. Second, being in their worth enough to go, I don't have to stay here and settle for this. I can walk towards something where this won't be available and I won't have to compromise something important to me and trusting the universe that that another opportunity is going to come through, right? Because so often people get, they stay in something, even though they're like, well, da, 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 but you know, he's X, Y, Z and I'll never find that again. Or she's X, Y, Z. I've been really trying hard not to gender people, but ah, that is so ingrained. So sorry for the gendering. Um, But you know, they'll be like, this person has X, Y, Z and I'll never find that in another person again. And that's not true, (laughs) right? That is just not true. There are so many people out there that we can love. So we don't have to settle for the red flags, for the compromising, for the things that don't align with us. And that's really the work is getting to the place where when you meet the person and they're like, I just got out of a relationship and you're looking for something long-term, you go, awesome. So good to meet you. We're going to be on different pages because I'm looking for something really serious and you just got out of something serious. So take care. And walking away from that experience, feeling really good and empowered, right? And you know, if you need to run into the fire, as we call it, and continue to go out with that person until you get burned, like, great, that's what's going to teach you the lesson. And some of us had to do that a gazillion times before I could really be like, okay, that's a fire and that is hot and I don't want to go down there anymore. So I'm not going to go down there anymore. Right. Um, And that's part of the process in the journey. And that is such an important part and process of the journey. I've heard this story way too many times, especially with someone who's looking for someone serious versus someone who is looking to just be casual. Mm-hmm. And I think the key word and the key theme here is is sacrificing and compromising. We always are hopeful that someone will change or that we can fix someone. And we can't. You know, it's, it's hard to get to the, you know, root for, for everyone. But where does that feeling derive from? The feeling that we can, that we're hopeful that someone will change or that we can take them on and like turn them into the person that we want them to be. Yeah. And before I really dive into that, I just want to say also, there's nothing wrong with someone wanting 
something more casual. But if you don't want something casual, there's nothing wrong with that either. You just are not aligned in what your wants are. So you need to allow each other to walk away to find people that do want those same things, right? Mm -hmm. So just want to say that. And then, you know, what is that stemming from? Is it stemming from control, um, wanting to control things that you can't to avoid the things that you can yourself? Um, it's also stemming from insecurity and, you know, in childhood that you had to go above and beyond. You had to perform. You had to prove that you were lovable in order to receive the love and attention you needed. You know, and at that point, I'm sure it wasn't even everything you needed. And so you go into adulthood thinking the same thing, right? This person doesn't want a relationship, but if I stick around and show them how amazing and awesome I am, you know, they'll change their mind. And we don't need to perform. We don't have to prove. We just get to show up and be. And if the people that are aligned to be in our lives will be like, awesome, right? And we'll feel that way about them. So it's really look, looking at those areas and doing the work to expand those places that we feel small to help you work out of that. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing too is like, the more that we stay with our narrative that we want a relationship or that we want the things that we want, whatever they are, the closer that we will be to finding that because the more that we compromise, the more that we sacrifice, the more we're saying to ourselves, it's okay to settle. And ultimately we don't wanna be settling. We wanna be going after the things that we want. And I think that's such a great point because there's nothing wrong in, in wanting the things that you want. It's the challenge there is sticking to it and not settling. And the, and you said this before and, and it stuck with me. This is where trust comes in. Yeah. This is where all the fears come in because I can also speak from experience. Like anytime that we set a boundary or we will we'll say let someone go or cut something off because we are going after something specific, the fear comes up that you may end up alone. There may not be a person for another two years you may have to go on a bunch of dates and get ghosted. And I think that's the thing that we're constantly running away from. Yeah. I mean, I think the fear is that we'll end up alone. And part of that is, you know, just wired into us as humans for we're, you know, at the end of the day, we are, you know, chimps and we are social creatures who need to be connected to our community to feel that real sense of like belonging. And, you know, that also provides a lot of happiness for us. And that way back in the day when we were smaller tribes, if you got kicked out of the tribe, like you couldn't survive. Right. Mm -hmm. And you would, if isolation led to death often. So an isolation still, you know, does not lead to long-term health, you know, that can really compromise your health. So we do need connection and we do need community and we do need love, but ending up alone is a fear in that if I'm not in romantic, a romantic relationship, I'm not worthy as a human. There's something wrong with me. My life will have no meaning. And ultimately that is just not true. There is so much meaning and love and community to have outside of romantic relationships. And I'm not saying that you need to accept like that you're going to be alone, but I think you do need to come to terms with being on your own and feeling really good about that and building a life that feels super full and that fills you up and that, you know, fulfills you outside of a partnership. Because if you are waiting to do that and trying to put that on a partner and asking them to say, please do this for me, that is not going to create the relationship that you're wanting. That's going to create 
isolation within a relationship. And there is nothing worse to me than feeling lonely in a partnership. There is, I think, no lonelier feeling. I've never felt more lonely in my life than when I was doing that to someone and in a relationship. So doing the work to feel really good in you, in your body, living your life and living a life that you feel proud of is so fucking important to not only, you know, finding a partnership, but just for living a life that feels good and fulfilling. A romantic relationship is an addition to that. I always say like create a full Sunday life and let the relationship be the cherry Mm -hmm. because it's not the whole thing. You know, you are in a relationship with you. So that needs to be your priority number one. We are looking for interdependency, which is I am in charge of my own happiness and fulfillment. So are you, we can depend on each other, but we're full circles here right? So we can lean against each other. I'm not a half circle looking for another half to complete me. I'm a full circle. So that allows us to not expect someone to complete us, which frees them up to just show up as themselves. And we get to then enjoy that person. And we just get to show up as ourselves and they get to enjoy us. And when you're in that, like, Hey, we're enjoying each other. It's much more satisfying. Um, when you realize that they're not responsible for your happiness, your fulfillment, whatever it taking that ownership is a huge part of, I, I think finding a, a fulfilling life. Absolutely. Do you think that there are certain patterns that come up when we are feeling really good about ourselves? We've done the work on ourselves. We feel whole. Is there, are there patterns with who we attract versus the person who maybe hasn't gotten into that work yet, isn't feeling completely whole yet, and the people that they're attracting? Absolutely. Everyone is the mirror. So, you know, every person in your life is there to teach you something about yourself and is there to mirror where you're feeling about yourself, your worth. So if you kind of take that out and get a little like meta with that, is that are we ever really in relationship with other people or are we just always in relationship with ourselves with like these reflections showing us, right? Um, So if you're someone who is surrounded by people that don't feel aligned with you, then that is something to look at and go, interesting, what is going on inside of me? What feels unaligned? Where do I feel like I need to settle in friendships? Where do I feel like I'm letting people cross my boundaries? Why am I letting people cross my boundaries? You know, where am I feeling out of touch with myself? Where am I feeling out of my worth? Because that reflection is showing you something. So what is it showing you? And if you don't like what you see, that's when it's time to like get to work and really figure out the why. And when you start to do that work, the people that you are surrounded by will change and that reflection will change. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely a vibrancy thing. You know, when we are, when we operate at a high frequency, we attract and and call in the people who are at that same level. Which is not to say that you have to get to like a perfect point Um, in order to attract, you know, good people, I'm using quotation marks, so you can't see me, (laughs) into your life. No, we are on a journey. This is a process. So at every stage, honor where you're at and honor every stage. There is no better than, there is no goal you're trying to get to. There is no end. Mm -hmm. This is a journey and we're constantly on it until the day we leave this planet. So, you know, if you're thinking back like, well, I was with this guy when I was 25 and, you know, he was 
so unavailable and like, duh, 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 like, ugh, you don't need to be ashamed of that. Being that version of you, what that person taught you, again, I gendered, sorry, <laughs> being with a person who's unavailable. Um, so that person taught you something that led you to be the person that you are now. And that is something to honor and value. So thank all the people that have come across your life, even if you need to allow them to not be in your life anymore. Even if that means that you're walking forward and you don't have a ton of people around you, that's okay. You're, you're making space for people to come in that are more aligned, like honor the, the process honor the journey and not just like the pretty parts, honor the parts that don't always feel good, honor the parts that are uncomfortable because that is leading to so much growth. And we often just kind of really look to find the expansion because the expansion is like, oh yeah, the fun, the fun stuff. But the contraction is really good too. And along that, that, along that way, while we're, you know, finding that there's obviously there's triggering situations that come up or what I know in the to be magnetic jargon, we, you guys call them tests. Mm. What are some tests that, or common tests that people see? How do you spot a test? Talk to me a little bit about that. So we have three questions that are really great to spot a test. Um, do you feel small in regards to this thing? Do you feel like it's crossing a boundary, physical, emotional, financial? And would you be embarrassed to tell your friends about it? If any of those are a yes, you're in a test. You're experiencing mm. a test. If all of those are a yes, you're in a big test, right? So that is a really clear cut way. And then, I mean, tests go across the board, but you know, some just like tests can be what I said before, you're, you're looking for a long-term relationship. You're on a date with someone who is telling you either they are not looking for a relationship or that they just got out of one and they're looking to like date around. That's a test. Whenever you're like very clear about what you want and if something comes in and it's not that thing, but it's like kind of close, it's a test and it's testing to see, do you still feel like you need to settle or are you in your worth enough that you can go, awesome. Thank you for expanding me to know that something like this is possible, but not the thing I'm moving on. And I'm like moving towards the thing that will be a full yes for me. What would you say to the person who maybe met someone who checks off 99% of the boxes and there's one thing that is not being checked or not being met. What's that thing that's not being checked? Let's just say, for example, someone met someone and they're everything that they could ever want and it was going great at first and then it kind of slowly fizzled out. And obviously something that you, something that that person really honors and, and is looking for is consistent communication and consistent time spent together and all of that. Mm. So first of all, one thing to, this is something I really hammer home to my clients. You cannot say when you first meet someone, they're everything that you want. You cannot say they're your full task. You don't, or your full list. You don't know that person. So you don't know that they're everything you want because you are seeing one slice of them and you are getting, you know, one tiny version and a one tiny peek into them. You need time to figure out if they are quote unquote, everything you want. You need time to figure out if they are your full list, right? So when you're seeing that one slice, you can go, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing and I wanna keep discovering if this person and I are aligned, right? And what does that mean? That takes time. So if it, that fizzled out, right? It's probably that you were, you know, you, the collective you were feeling like, oh, ah, 
that thing, that excitement. Yay, I found, I found the thing. I found the one, right? And you jumped in too quickly. You weren't listening to your boundaries. You weren't paying attention to red flags and you jumped in too quick. And so those things burn hot, they burn bright and they burn out, which is fine. If you're looking for something short-term, that's kind of the name of the game. And that's honestly, that is a fun time when you're looking for short-term fun. I loved my period of looking for short-term relationships. (laughs) They are awesome, love them, really support people in that phase. Um, But when you're ready to get out of that phase, you have to show up differently to relationships. You no longer are going after the things that you were going after for short-term fun things. So that, that transition, that switch, right, can feel very jarring because it has you, it means that you're saying no 90% more than you were ever saying no before. Um, and that also means you're not going to be dating as much. That means that you're really like, I know what I'm looking for. I'm being really specific and intentional here. So I'm, you know, going to be letting go of everything that is not that. And if it's 90% of your list and the 10% is missing, they're not your full list. So you need to walk away. And it's really determining, right? I'm My anxious clients will, they'll be like, well, they are everything, but they just got out of a relationship and they're unavailable for one. And I'm like, well, then that's not everything, right? So they are close. They're expanding you. That's what we would call an expander in a test, but they are not the thing. And then what I would say to like maybe a more avoidant client is you want to make sure that 10% is not something like, well, they don't wear the kind of shoes that I like, like that, who cares? That doesn't matter. Right. You want to make sure that you're really coming from a place of like being in alignment, not in ego with what you're calling in. Um, but still, if it's not a hundred percent, then it's a no. And this is for people that are looking for partnership and for serious partnership. If you're looking for short-term fun, play around with the 90%. That's great. That's what short-term fun is for. When you're looking for long-term, then you want to really stick to looking for that full list. Absolutely. One thing I want to quickly mention on dating apps, a lot of people struggle on dating apps because one thing that comes up a lot is getting ghosted. Totally. Like you said before, if it's something that you are just having fun with in dating, great. But a lot of people have a hard time having fun on dating apps. I like to think what's some advice that you have for that, or, you know, your tips for finding the right person and being okay with getting ghosted. Yeah. So what I want to say about dating apps is dating apps are great. Um, There's so much rhetoric around dating apps being like, well, I hate dating apps. I want to meet someone naturally and dating apps are neutral. It is just another portal in which to meet someone. Um, So the universe isn't like, oh, I will send you your partner, you know, any other way but a dating app. Ooh, (laughs) the universe doesn't fucking care. So it's just another portal window for someone to come through. So it's totally neutral. So everyone I think needs to start looking at that way. It's just, it's the same thing as going to a coffee shop and being like, that person's cute and exchanging numbers right? It just makes it a little bit more obvious that you guys are both interested in potentially dating each other than versus if you're meeting someone out for coffee and you talk about work, it could be like a work thing, right? Dating apps just make it like really clear, like, Hey, potentially we might want to date. So that's almost better. Um, one, two, you know, I, I hear a lot of people that are like, well, it's so hard to match with someone I like, la, 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 la. But if you're walking down the street and, you know, let's say, here in New York, if you're walking down the street of New York, you're going to see a lot of people. So let's say you're passing a hundred people with, you know, within 10 blocks, 
you're not going to be attracted to every single one of those hundred people. That would be an unrealistic expectation to walk outside your door and feel attracted and connected to every single person that you pass. So why on earth would we assume that every person we're going to see on a dating app, we would be attracted and connected to, right? That's an unrealistic expectation. Why do we need to have that? We're not looking for the many. We're usually just looking for one person to date. So it doesn't matter that the many aren't working out. That's great. It's making room and space for the one that will. Um, and then three, why it can be not fun is because we're putting our worth on getting a relationship. So we're in desperation of, I need this to happen. I need this to happen now, right? We're on a timeline, you know, I'm this age. So I need to get into a relationship. I want a family. So I need to get into a relationship and we're putting all our worth on that working out, which if we're our worth is external, we are going to suffer. Our worth needs to be internal. And so that there is no like, when I get X, I'll be happy. Nope, our fulfillment and happiness is ours. That is our responsibility. And again, going back to that, we have to create a full life so that a relationship is just an addition to, it's not creating the life for you. And when you're in that place, then everything is very low stakes. And you're just like, ah, you're not what I'm looking for. Totally fine. Take care. Like, nice to meet you. And you're able to approach it from that way, which makes it a lot more fun. And then if you're getting ghosted, um, what I want to say is, look at if there's any patterns that you're noticing between the people that you're matching with and are you not paying attention to a particular pattern right are you like only swiping on people that you know let's like if you're on bumble say they don't know what they want yet and you know you want a relationship why are you swiping on them and there's also a component of you know people ghosting is just a little bit a part of that culture now so you can't take it personally and it's not the end of the world it's just someone can't doesn't have the emotional capacity to be like, hey, you know what? I'm not interested. And then also look at the way that you are handling people that you're not interested in. Are you being direct and honest about your communication? Are you saying, hey, you know what? You're great, but you're not really my vibe. I'm not feeling connections. I'm going to go. Or are you ghosting as well? Because oftentimes the most people complain, the people complaining about ghosting the most are the ones also doing a lot of ghosting and look at where, other, where else in your life you're unable to communicate openly and directly. You know, are you avoiding communication in other areas um, and start to clean that up? And that will help with the people that you're starting to engage with also being able to be like, hey, you know, not really interested, but it was so lovely to meet you. And doing your part to really show up as honestly and directly as you can with others and let, you know, let that reflect back. But also if someone is ghosting you, don't take it personal. It's where they're at. It's not where you're at and just let it go. I am not a proponent of someone reaching back out to be like, hey, you did blah, blah, blah. And that's not cool. It's like, you're not in control of their behavior. Yep. you're not going to teach them anything other than like, oh, bye, right? And so it's just not a fun exchange. Let them go, let them ghost you. That's their deal to work on. That's their journey. Focus on you. Keep your focus on you. So well said. And I feel like that, what you just said is packed with so many amazing tidbits of, of advice. And one thing that I feel like is so interesting to hear, and I honestly have never really thought about it before, it's so important when like, we're so focused on the, the love area of our lives most of the time, you know, like, let's just say for the person listening, they're really focused on finding their next partner or their next relationship. 
that sometimes we often forget the other areas of our life, whether it's money, whether it's career, family, friend relationships that we really need to put the focus on. And I honestly, I've never really thought about that before because we're so laser focused on what we want and not the other areas of our life that maybe we need to do some fine tuning in. Right. Well, it's just, I, the way that I look at that is it's really taking responsibility for yourself and really taking responsibility for your fulfillment, your happiness, your peace, you know, your excitement, you know, your turn on, whatever it is. And I really got into the point in my life where I'm like, I treat myself like a fucking queen. Like every, I'm just like, damn, I am, you treat yourself well. Like I just, you know, I, because I've come to learn like what makes me feel good, what makes me feel connected, what makes me feel happy, like what, you know, feels romantic to me. And I take that responsibility to make myself feel that way every day and every, you know, every week and like every month. So I'm not dependent on those in my life to make me feel that way. What they're doing adds to that for sure. And I appreciate that so much, but I'm not dependent on anyone creating that feeling for me. I'm creating that feeling for me. So then that lets everyone in my life off the hook to show up the way that they need to show up, which doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not holding boundaries and like, you know, holding people accountable if I need to, but I'm responsible for me. And so I want to make sure that me is like feeling good and like feeling what she needs to feel. So taking ownership is everything because you are going to be in a relationship with yourself for your whole life. You're the only person that's going to be with you through it all, right? Birth, the in-between and death. So creating that strong relationship is really worth your while. And it adds such depth and enjoyment to the external relationships as well. Such a great note to end on. That was fantastic. And honestly, I could not agree more. And from doing the work with 2B Magnetic, Mm -hmm. when you have a strong foundation, it sets the tone for every other area of your life. And like you said, the most important relationship we have is with we have is with ourselves. And the more we understand that and the more we solidify that, the easier it is to navigate the other areas in our life. 100%. Yeah. Amanda, thank you so, so much for shedding some light on this topic and for giving us your words of wisdom. Um, If anyone is interested in working with you or learning more about what you do, following you, how can they find you? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at exo Amanda Blair. Um, I have a website that has a lot of resources about attachment theory. So you can find that at amandablair.org. And then of course, if you want to book a session, I would love to connect with you. And also if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know if I want to work with you. We have three other incredible coaches at To Be Magnetic. So if you go to tobemagnetic.com, there's a menu. You drop that menu bar down, work with the coach. You'll find my coaching page there and our other incredible coaches that you might connect with better. Um, so check that out as well. And yeah, I hope I hope to connect and hear from some of you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love being here. <laughs>